The following is an actor portrayal. With Kindly Assisted Living and Memory Care at Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County, you can anticipate more. But don't take our word for it. My dad moved to Kindly and loved it. His apartment was spacious, sunny, and overlooked Parkland. It was a great comfort to me to see him always smiling and involved in the life at Kindly. Enjoy quality on-site nursing and rehab services, too. Visit Kindly at Asbury.org today. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County takes senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Tool Shed. This is episode 128 of the Fantrax Tool Shed with Clegg and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode in store today, and making his grand return, my 80-grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's up, man? Oh, not much. It's good to be back. I feel weird not to be on the mic for, what, two episodes, so it's, uh, you know, it's out of town, but I'm glad to be back, glad to be chatting and good to be talking baseball again so nice little break but um i am glad to be back with you for sure and uh let's keep this thing rolling we have a good episode and hope you guys are looking forward to the talk today yeah chris you were dealing with teenagers though which is <laughs> more difficult than doing a podcast so all the power to you for yeah. doing that doing that for what five six days right <laughs> it's all good man I had a fun time <laughs> not a lot of sleep but uh called up the last <laughs> couple of days since we got back nice and then happy Father's Day to you as yeah, well, Chris. And same to you. Thank you. I know, and happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. I know you're listening to this on Monday, but we're recording Sunday afternoon. So hope you all had a great Father's Day. Uh, all right, yeah, we have a really fun episode today. But before we get into that, the usual housekeeping. You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I am at EricCross04, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please write and review. Check out our Patreon for extra content from both of us and our YouTube channel for plenty of live prospect video throughout the season. And, of course, check out all the other great work we have going on over at Fantrax HQ with multiple fantasy baseball articles coming out every single day. All right, we had a lot of call-ups here. That's going to start the show. A lot of fun call-ups over the last week or two. Uh, one more recently, the other two are a little bit further back, but haven't really had a chance to talk about them yet. But let's start with the big one here. Finally, we get the debut of Mr. Riley Green. Should have had it about, what, two and a half months ago, but that damn broken foot kind of put a threw a monkey wrench into everything, but he's already got his first, uh, I think he went two for three. Yeah, two for three in his first start here with two walks. Got him base four times in his first game, scored two runs. That's a great, great little way to start your major league career. 
But obviously, this guy, top five prospect in all of baseball. I had him number two in my last update. Chris, did, did you have him two as well? He must be at least top three or four for you. Yeah, well. I think I had him three. Let me uh, pull it up and double check for yeah, sure. I, I had Carroll one, and then I was debating putting Hassel at two, but I put Hassel three and Green at two just because Green's proximity. Yeah, but, I still have him three. I had Rutschman one. I went Rutschman, Carroll, Green. So Yeah, at OBP, that definitely makes sense. I have Rutschman yeah. up there as well. But yeah, he's a no doubt top five prospect wherever you look, especially for fantasy list. He's coming off a great year last year in the upper minors where about two thirds of his year was in double A. Uh, then he got up to triple A for about a month and a half. Overall, 124 games, 558 play appearances, slash 301, 387, 534, 233 ISO, 25 doubles, eight triples, 24 bombs, 16 steals when he caught once. A walk rate above 10%. K rate did tick up, uh, in tri- especially in AAA, but not really a, a huge concern. But this is a, you look at those stats last year, and that's kind of a, I think, where the expectations are for him moving forward. Like a guy that's a hit for high average, maybe not 300 annually, but like 275 or higher. He's a 25 plus homer back and add, you know, at least early part of his career. You know, maybe these guys, he's in the teens for steals. This is an all around offensive stud. And, Hopefully he can give that uh, that struggling Detroit lineup a little bit of a boost here. Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think you know you see what he did in his debut and showed him in highly impressive skill set that he has in the past. And you know, obviously, still a small sample of what we've seen this year in the minors, thanks to his injury. As you mentioned, he probably would have debuted, you know, with the team with Torkelson if it hadn't been for the injury. But I'm I'm expecting a solid showing. I mean, a lot of rookies have struggled, but. I think green has a really good feel to hit i think he's got some solid power in there as well and you mentioned i think he's got a good knack to run he's got the kind of frame that you can see the speed kind of tailing off over time but he does bring a lot of value to that team and i think he's a must roster and must start player pretty much in any fantasy format right now would you agree there oh yeah absolutely i think people are asking me like uh, a few questions about when he got called up. It was like Riley Green or uh, Karoloff was the, the common one. And I, w- I went slightly to a Green just because I think the bats long-term for Green and Karoloff are probably pretty similar, you know, high average, solid, but not spectacular power. But Green can add a, like a little more speed than Karoloff can, especially right away. And, and Green, I think that's a very underrated part of Green's game is his speed. Yeah, is he going to be like a 20-plus steal guy? No, probably not. But you look at his minor league career, 198 games, had 25 steals, was only caught two times. That's 93% right there. Very efficient on the base pass. So, yeah, I agree with you, Chris. I think, you know, as time moves on, probably, you know, goes down to more of like a, you know, five to eight steal guy a couple years down the road. But I think right now, I think this year, maybe he could be like a 20 homer, 10, 12 steal type of pace. And maybe next year you could see a 25, 15 type of year. I think that's definitely possible. But yeah, for, Rest of, rest of season, he's absolutely a must-start guy. I think he's a big – I know we've seen some rookies really struggle uh, over the last year or two, but I think he's going to be one that definitely has the chance at least to make an impact right away, top you know, 40, top 50 type of outfielder rest of the way. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think the impact's there, and I think you, you got to roll with him. Yep. Now, where do you think he can get to – You know, if he gets to where we think he can get to long-term, Chris – where, where do you think that puts him in, among, you know, like other outfielders for Dynasty? You think he can be, you know, I wasn't quite ready to go top 10 long term, but I think like top 15 in that general range, like you're, like, 
really good number two outfielder for your team, or maybe even uh, you know a back end you know outfielder one if you want to wait a little bit. But where do you think he can get to long term? I think top twenty five is comfortable. I think you know you mentioned. I think he's got a you know maybe a peak of like a 280, 285 average in a good season, and I think he can get to thirty home runs. So if he hits 280 with 30 home runs and 10 steals, I'd say that puts him top 20 range at least. That's a, a pretty solid profile. You know, think back to like peak Austin Meadows that one season when he went like 33-11 with, you know, pretty solid average as well. Like I think we could see that kind of profile. And, and you know, maybe that's even higher than top 20 at this point. There's definitely some solid outfielders at the top. But then after that, it could go a lot of directions after you get past that first tier. So he could potentially sneak in there for sure. Now, who would you take long-term, him or Eloy Jimenez? Uh, at this point, I don't know. I, I, I lean green. Yeah, Eloy's so injury-prone. So, oh, man, that's tough. I, I may go green, but I'd like to see him at least produce first. But, man, right. Eloy is, uh, is really tough right now. Yeah, th- that was a question I got a lot of for some reason the other day when uh, the news of Green's uh, call-up broke. The, like, hey, you sure that him or Eloy, and then him or Kirilov. I think I would take him over both right now, but I still like Eloy a good amount. I, I still like Kirilov a good amount. We'll actually talk Kirilov here in a little bit, but um, yeah, Green is definitely, he should be a good one for sure. Remember, two other call-ups here. So we, we have a few more call-ups, but the other two, uh, these two guys are actually performing very well so far. Michael and these both these guys are called up directly from Double A too. Let me let me just point that out, which is uh, spectacular. Michael Harris of Chris's Atlanta Braves and Ezekiel Duran for the Texas Rangers. Harris so far in his first twenty games, seventy-seven plate appearances, slashing three twenty-four, three fifty-one, five fourteen. He's got six doubles, two home runs, two steals, twelve RBI, thirteen runs scored. And then over to Ezekiel Duran. His first 13 games, 53-point appearances, 308, 321, 519. Strike out the walker doesn't look great, 15-1. But he's got six extra base hits, two home runs, two steals, eight RBI, and nine runs scored for Texas here. Now, Chris, moving forward, obviously, I think we're both a bit higher on Michael Harris. So we'll start with him. How I got a similar question in the green. Like, Where do you see Michael Harris kind of you know landing as in terms of the outfield rankings moving forward? How high do you think he can rise? He's interesting. I mean, a lot of his value comes with the glove. And I was there a couple weeks ago, and it was still early on in his uh, MLB career. And he made one of the best catches I've seen all year. You know, the sprint speed, the just the jump on the ball was ridiculous, and the catch probability was incredibly low. But he also hits the ball really hard too. I mean, he, he may have been he had like one hit when we were there, but he had several lineouts when he just smoked the ball. And, you know, he does have an 8.8% barrel rate so far, which I think is pretty impressive. You know, you look in the average and max EV, you're kind of meh, but I've seen him hit the ball hard several times. He's going to have to take more walks, which is going to be a a thing, an adjustment period. I mean, we are talking about a young player who's 21 years old, and it's going to take time for that adjustment period to happen. But I think he's already got a pretty mature approach. And I think the game power is at least average. So you think, I think he can get to 20 home runs at least. And you look at the this type of speed he has. If he's willing to run, I think he could easily steal 20 plus bases for the foreseeable future. So if you're looking at a potential 2020 guy, you know, where does the hit tool land long term? That's the harder question to answer. Right now, the contact's been good and it's been good quality of contact as well. Ground ball rate's always been a little high for his career. But even if he settles in as a, a 270, 2020 guy, I think there's some good value there. 
Yeah, for sure. And he's been a very good hitter in the minor leagues at 292 in 197 career games in the minor leagues. Really, never really struck outside of a <clears throat> a small stint in the low eight South uh, South Atlantic League when he was just 18 years old, where he hit 183. Like he hit 278 overall that year, 349 in rookie ball, and then 294 last year, and he was hitting 305 in the AA uh, Southern League this year before he got called up. So, yeah, I think he can hit for a solid average. And I think long-term, I think he could be, you know, maybe not quite as good as Cedric Mullins, but I think he could be kind of close if everything breaks right for him. I think there's similar power, maybe a little less speed out of Harris, but I think he could be a very solid outfielder. And he's always been a little bit of an aggressive approach. Like, he's never had, you know, a super high walk rate. that like gets under 10% for his career, but... You know, this year he's got three walks his first 77 plate appearances with Atlanta. So maybe he'll never be like a super high OBP guy. But yeah, I agree. A solid average, 15 to 20 home runs. I think annually is where I think I, he'll settle in as 20 to 25 steals if, if he, everything breaks right for him. So yeah, just a very solid, well-rounded offensive player. Maybe he doesn't stand out in any one area. So he might always be a guy that's a tad underrated because of it. But it's a guy that can really help you out across the board, and those guys are valuable. So I'm um, definitely very uh, been very pleased with the additional power he's shown this year because that was kind of like the one part that was missing from his game. And this year's the first year he's shown an ISO above 200, and he had a, a 201 ISO in AA. And so far, well, actually the last game, it, it bumped it down. So it was 190 ISO now. But really, this is the most power he's ever shown uh, in a season. So Definitely a nice little added boost to his value for sure. And then Zico Duran, uh, another guy that's been always been a bit underrated, I think, despite putting up pretty solid numbers in the minor leagues. Like this is a guy that has 46 home runs and 48 steals uh, in his minor league career over 284 games. So that's about an average of um, thinking it's in the ballpark of 25, 25 when you break it down to like a per 162 level. But this year in double a, he was hitting 317, 365, 574. He had 24 doubles in 45 games, which is insane. Also had seven home runs, seven steals when he caught twice, 14 walks to 36 strikeouts. So, you know, he kept the K rate in check under 20%. He's never been a guy that walks a ton, uh, kind of similar to Harris in that respect. But um, I think Durant's going to be a guy that is sneaky good. I think he's a 20 homer bat. I think he'd be 15 to 20 steals as well. You know, not a great average. Maybe he's more of like a 260-ish hitter, but with that nice little power speed blend, I think he could be, you know, I think he could be has some sneaky good fantasy value here moving forward. Yeah, I do I do too. I'm uh pretty impressed with what we've seen from him, honestly. I he's kind of like a Michael Harris light in a way, I think, where he's gonna fly under the radar a little bit here. And, you know, he doesn't hit the ball super hard. You know, he only has one barrel so far, but I'm not overly concerned. I think the profile's pretty intriguing, and um, yeah, I'm excited to see where it takes him. I think that he's kind of a sneaky little player here, and especially you know playing second base position that does help him out some, you know, with for fantasy purposes as well. So um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm really curious to see how Duran progresses. I've always liked him as a prospect, but he's uh, definitely been one that's been interesting to watch blossom this year. I think so. I'm not sure I expected this, but. Man, uh, we'll gladly take this. And he's gonna have dual, like he's gonna have dual eligibility. It looks like he's been playing some third base too. So you get that middle corner. That's uh, that's really huge. Yeah, that's huge. You put him at second. You put him at third. You put him at middle infield, corner infield. That just really adds a little bit of extra value there for sure. Yeah, I, I like Durant. Like I said, I think he's always been a guy that's been a bit underrated. 
always shown that nice solid power speed blend 13 11 in 66 games back in 2019 then he was 19 19 in 105 games in 2021 and 7-7 this year in 45 games always been really showing that nice little power speed blend so definitely like uh duran moving forward here another call up here which is kind of funny that they Pittsburgh did this. They called up Leo Verpoguero from Double A as well. One of Double A promotions this year, more than I can remember. But they called up him instead of calling him O'Neill Cruz, which is just hilarious that they just want to call up Cruz. Though Cruz might be up soon. There are a lot of rumors that he's coming up, um, you know, for, for their next series here early this week. So we'll see if that comes to fruition. But a little bit about Poguero here. This year he's having a pretty solid year. It wasn't like he was undeserving of getting up promoted, but was surprising they do it from double A. He was hitting 292, 315, 469 with 17 doubles, four triples, five home runs in 54 games. Also had 14 steals, only was caught three times. Had a 14 homer, 28 steal season in just 90 games in high A back in 2021 with a 270 average. How do you value Poguero moving forward, Chris? He's kind of been a guy that's always been like right around back end top 100 or so to his little power speed blend there but how do you value him moving forward in dynasty leagues well he's really tough because like i have no clue what pittsburgh's gonna do with him right. they've kind of just like been calling so many people up and they've had to have had the uh, most mlb debuts this year if i had to guess uh, probably <laughs> i mean it's been ridiculous but like how does he really fit in this puzzle long term i'm not really sure so that's going to be interesting to watch i do like Paguero, and I've always, you know, kind of been a fan of him. I saw him live a couple times, you know, over the last couple of years when he was in Greensboro, actually. Um, but I don't know. He has moved up for me, but when we're talking about long-term value, I'm not sure, like, how fantasy viable we're talking about. I mean, what are your thoughts? I, I just don't – he's one that I struggle with, like, how fantasy relevant is he? Yeah, I, I kind of have as well. Like, the speed is solid. I think he's going to be a – a potential 20 to 25 steal guy. He's always shown that good speed in the minors with a pretty solid, you know, efficiency rate as well. 60 steals when he was caught 14 times. So that's a little over 80%. I, I just don't know how viable the bat's going to be. And you look at his stats, he's a 286 career hitter in the minor leagues over, this is more, more than a thousand plate appearances. So I don't think he's going to be, you know, terrible with the bat. I think he could be like a 270 ish hitter. But how much power is there? That's always kind of been the, the question mark. He's ever shown uh, much game power at all until last year when he had 14 home runs in 90 games. But that was, you know, with a 174 ISO. I don't know, like, maybe he can get up to double-digit home runs, but I don't think, like, I think 15 is probably, like, the high end of the range for him. I think he's going to be more, like, around 10, give or take. So I think he could be a solid little bit. I see 270 with 10 home runs and 20 steals. That definitely is viable, but... I don't know. I, I just don't think I see a ton of like that really desirable upside here from the profile. Yeah, that's kind of where I am too. I think that's a reasonable expectation that you mentioned going forward. Now, this next guy here, uh, be- before we get to Kirill, we'll get to Kirill off here in a second, but this next guy has been really the talk of minor league baseball here and has a very exciting upside. This is a guy that when I met, when I tweeted about him in my comments on that tweet, uh, people talking about like his uh, some comps for him, and I get anywhere from the, uh, the the ceiling being Ricky Henderson, which is ridiculous, to people saying, "Oh, he could be next Jorge Mateo." It's really hilarious that wide range. But Esteri Ruiz, I mean, he's been 
the best player in the minor league. If you had fantasy minor leagues right now, he'd be the number one overall player. Look at what he's done. 49 games in double A, 10 in triple A. So 59 games total, 282 plate appearances. He has a 364, 489, 646 slash line with 19 doubles, 13 home runs, and 46 steals. And this is not, you know, single A rookie ball inflated stolen base. This these were all in double A and triple A. He had 37 steals in 49 games in double A. And then just a cool nine steals in 10 games in triple A. He's hitting 450 with four home runs and nine steals and 50 play appearances in triple A. So now like I'm starting to think that we maybe do see him at some point here sooner rather than later. We've seen over the last handful of years that San Diego does like to promote aggressively. if They think the prospect has warranted it. And if they're performing well, like we've seen that with Tatis and Paddock a few years ago, Abrams earlier this year, like they've done it. So maybe you see Ruiz here, get the call and just, you know, maybe if the bat doesn't translate right away, that's something that's fair to wonder, but that speed is absolutely elite. So he's very intriguing, but I'm still not sure quite out of value him. Like I put him in the eighties, my last update, which I quickly realized was way too low. Bumped him up into the, I think I have him around 35 right now, which I think is a better range for him, but he's just a very hard one to, uh, kind of get a feel for because the bat just wasn't there uh like the previous two years and t- last year he hit 249 2019 he hit 239 2018 he hit 253 so really this year's the only year he's, he's shown a high level of production with that bat but chris where are you at right now on uh, ruiz yeah he's tough i mean i think that a lot of the average is because he's traded ground balls for line drives and you look at the line drive rate Last year was 21%. This year it's up to 33.1% in AA, then at 30% currently in AAA. So you look, you're naturally going to hit line drives at that speed. You're going to just get more hits and get on base more often. And can't deny the speed. There's no denying that. Like he could be an easy league leader in stolen bases, in my opinion. The power is interesting. Like, you know, kind of coming, I won't say coming out of nowhere. He did hit 10 home runs last year. In 353 plate appearances, we saw him hit 12 in 2018 and 493. So there's always been that intrigue there. But you're right, the batting average has really made a huge jump forward this year. And you wonder if it can sustain. I'm curious. I mean, the, the success is sustained into AAA, which is phenomenal to see. But, you know, what does he do against big league pitching? He is 23 years old, so he's, you know, kind of established a little bit more. He's, you know, been in pro ball since 2016 when he debuted. So he's been around a while. I think we could see him get a shot. Maybe he doesn't excel right off the bat, but I do think he gets a chance, and the Padres are right in the mix too. I mean, they're half a game out of the from the Dodgers, which they're going to either get aggressive with promotions or on the trade market, so you don't know which way they could go there. But, yeah, Ruiz is intriguing for sure. And another thing too that I was just calculating when you were talking – his uh his plate approach has vastly improved this year. Like entering this season, he had a 7.3% walk rate and a 23.8% strikeout rate. This year, his walk rate's nearly doubled to 13.8%, and the K rate's come down to 17.7%. So that's another big aspect of his game that's really improved. I think he's maybe he's being more selective too, which definitely helps. You know, driving the ball more consistently, like you mentioned, more more line drives, less ground balls. So yeah, all of those things kind of put together, you know, the causes offensive explosion you know long term i think he can be 
I'm I'm still not sure where I where I see the the power being like you know 15 to 20 home runs but 30 plus steals a solid enough average like this could be a fantasy stud like if these all these improvements that we've seen from him this year in terms of the batted ball data the approach if those you know even somewhat stick even like halfway from what we saw from him before this year that's going to be a very very valuable fantasy player especially because of that speed like he has 204 steals in 466 career games. So like one every two and a quarter games or something like that. So this could be a 40 plus steel guy. Absolutely. And people want to say, Oh, he's going to be a 50 to 60 plus guy. Like, you know, calm down a little bit here. Cause obviously catching at the major league level is so much better. It's the highest level of catching in the world. And pitchers are better at keeping guys closer over at first base, all that. So don't go overboard. Say he's a 70 steel guy, but Definitely, I think 40 plus, which not many guys even get the 40 anymore. That that number is dwindling uh, over the last you know decade or so. But yeah, this could be a very exciting offensive profile here. So if you got deeper benches, like I'm, I'm in one league where it's like we have, you know, it's 12 team, but we have like super deep benches where you can afford to kind of stash a couple guys here because with all that other depth you have, then I think he could be a guy to uh, to really take a shot at right now because he might be up soon we've seen that from san diego in the past they're not afraid to promote aggressively so worth a shot just to stash him on your bench see if that promotion does come here uh, within the next month or so which it, it might if he keeps hitting this way in triple a that's for sure now let's get over to alex kirilov here got called back up the other day finally after absolutely tearing up triple a following his demotion back in may in AAA, 35 games, he slashed 359, 465, 641, seven doubles, 10 home runs, and almost as, as many walks as strikeouts, 22 walks, the 26 strikeouts. Like, I'm not surprised he hit 359. I'm really not. He's a career 323 hitter in the minor leagues. He's always hit for high average. But I'm just happy to see that that power was there with 10 home runs and a quick math here, 288 ISO. No, 282 ISO, excuse me in those 35 games and along with seven doubles as well. Cause that obviously with that wrist injury he's had, he's been dealing with for really the last year and a half, two years now, really we're wondering where's that power going to be at moving forward here. So to see those 10 home runs and that near 300 ISO really was encouraging. So I'm very much still an Alex Kirloff guy. I think he's a 280 plus hip hitter of 25, you know, 25 to 30 home runs. Good four category guy. Maybe he adds a handful of steals, but I think he'd be a very good four category guy moving forward so great by low right now if anybody's you know kind of scared off by his lackluster 240 average in 71 games in the major leagues 100 i would be looking to buy low on Kirilov right now how about you chris yeah it's it's an easy call for me i mean he's my opinion on him has not changed a bit when he was a top 10 prospect i still think there's plus hit and plus power in the profile so you're looking at a guy that can be 280 uh, 30 home runs which is i think pretty substantial here in the profile and we've seen it in the past time and time again in the minors he's an excellent hitter with excellent power still young so uh, i'm buying he's 24 years old this is the prime time to buy a player like this in dynasty when they come up and struggle off the bat that's this is when you buy and you know i think you're going to be happy if you buy low here because the contact skills are good and the power is really good as well so i i'm all in on buying alex kirloff right now yeah, me too. I think you know, while he's not quite there in my rankings right now, obviously because of the injury and, and the performance to date, I think he still can be a top 50 kind of dynasty guy moving forward because of everything you said, everything I said. So definitely 
um, yeah, definitely buying low right now wherever I can in Dynasty, that's for sure. Uh, moving over here to Anthony Volpe, who is a top 10 prospect entering the year, but really struggled. You know, April, he hit 197. May, he hit 207. But he's really started to heat up here in June. In 69 June at bats, uh, play appearance, excuse me, 313, 362, 516 slash line, seven doubles, two home runs, six deals. And he's still been, the, the two things, even when he was struggling, he was still stealing bags. He's up to 24 steals on the year, only been caught three times. And he's still been walking at a pretty high clip as well, above 10%. So really starting to heat up here in June, showing a lot of those skills that he showed last year that made him a top 10 prospect. That's why I still have him top 10. I, I still am a very much a believer in what we saw from him last year and the, just the raw tools that he has. I think he's plus hit, above average to plus power and plus speed. I think he could be plus across the board here moving forward. So I have not really dropped him much at all. He's still number seven for me in my top 400 uh, prospect rankings here. But Chris, what are, you, what are your thoughts here? Are, are you still a big Volpe guy or have you kind of tempered your expectations here a little bit? I guess I'm just curious where the power gets to. I mean, we've definitely seen his stolen base ability and speed, like no denying that. And he's he's shown the contact skills again this month. I'm glad to see that finally coming back. But again, only two home runs this month, seven on the season. You know, last year he was just dominating. And so I'm curious, like, you know, what kind of power do we see out of him long term? Maybe it's maybe it's still there. Maybe it's still 25 home runs. I'm wondering if he's more of a 20 home run type guy, which is fine. I think that'll play with the type of speed and the, the hit tool that he's got. I do think that the the hit hit tool has not changed in my opinion. You know, you still look at the overall profile for the year, it's a 22% strikeout rate and a 10% walk rate, even despite the early struggles. So, you know, I, I do think that it's been encouraging to see what he's done, but I am just kind of curious where the power does end up long-term. That's my only question mark here. Yeah, and, and that's fair. And maybe he's not quite a 30 homer guy like he showed last year. Maybe he's more like a 20 homer guy with, you know, high average, high OBP and 25 plus steals. So I think that's kind of where I have him at. Maybe, yeah, low 20s home runs, upper 20 steals, good average, good OBP. I think that's where I, I project him long term. So, yeah, I'm still very much all in. So if you could still buy low right now, I, I would recommend doing so because I think he's going to be maybe not quite as good as last year, but I think you'll see him continue to you know get that value back up moving on here. Uh, that's for sure. Moving on to a couple names here at the major league level, a couple of arms here that have been very intriguing for one way or another over the last uh, month or so. We'll start with Tanner Helk uh, from my Boston Red Sox, who they've been using as a closer. Like I, I've been said saying for a long time, like put him in a high leverage situation. Like, he's either going to be a starter or a closer. Nothing in the middle. He's too good for that. And he started to get, he's got a few saves here over the last couple of weeks. It looks like he's moved into that role, maybe not full time, but definitely maybe the leader of that bullpen at the current point in time. And, you know, this year he's still showing some great, uh, some great stuff here. He's at that great slider, 170 batting average against 37.6% whiff rate, both of which are a little bit down from last year, but it's still a very good pitch. He's still hitting. Uh, mid 90s with that four seamer, it's, it's up a little bit in re- relief as you as you can expect so if this is a permanent move here chris what does that do for for Houck's value you know obviously you can still have a lot of value as a as a good closer here but do you think that kind of decreases his value a little bit because he maybe isn't a starter long term but where, where do you have Houck here 
I mean, I think this helps his value personally. I never really saw him as a starter, and that was kind of been my argument from the beginning is that he's just not a true starting pitcher, and I think the stuff's good enough to play in the closer role. Like you were, we were talking preseason, like him or Whitlock in that closer role. They both right. had the stuff to do it, and I'm glad that you know he's finally getting a chance there. I, I do hope it sticks. I mean, he's been significantly better as a reliever. You know, just looking at the numbers here. He's just, I mean, absolutely dominant as a reliever. You know, you even though the 308 ERA is not phenomenal, it's still really good. And he's got 29 strikeouts and 26 innings in relief versus 16.2 innings as a starter, 432 ERA and 13 strikeouts. So the strikeout rate's down. Obviously, it makes sense, but I do think Hauk's stuff just really does play up in that bullpen role. And, you know, they've used him as a bulk reliever some, but in the smaller stints, I think he's been really good. And, you can point to his last outing. He did allow an earned run, like whatever. It's a small blemish on the profile, but overall, I mean, he had gone a long scoreless streak prior to that run he allowed on Friday against the Cardinals. So I think it helps his value personally. Yeah, I, I do as well. And you see he's kind of altered this pitch mix here in the bullpen, like looking at back in April, he was still kind of starting a bit there. He threw his fast his four seamer thirty seven percent of the time, slider thirty two percent, sinker twenty one, and split finger nine. And then you move into June here, four seamers down to eighteen point six, so it's been cut in half. He's throwing a, a bit more sinkers here, up to thirty percent with the sinker, and then the sliders jump up to forty seven percent, and he's almost ditched the splitter four and a half percent of the time, only thrown it five times so far in the month of June. But that slider in June. 100 batting average against, 100 slug, 0.89 Woba, and a 52% whiff rate. So that, that's getting back to that dominant slider that we've seen from him throughout his professional career. So, yeah, I think he could be a top 10 reliever here moving forward. With, with this, this, if he goes with the fastball, the two different fastballs and the slider here, I think he could be very, very good. You'll see that K rate ticking back up over 30, 30%. I think, he, I think he's definitely got that type of potential in terms of the strikeout rate. We saw that from him. Before this year, really, he was 33.3% in 2020 and 30.5% in 2021. So I think he can get back up above that range for sure. So, yeah, I'm just glad they put him in some sort of uh, some sort of high leverage role. Like, I didn't, li- didn't like him as a bulk reliever. I don't think he used that type of guy as a bulk reliever. So glad to see him, you know, in the closer role. Now, maybe he's a guy that can go, you know, two, three inning saves at times, too, just because of his experience as a starter. We'll see. But Definitely happy to see Hulk uh, in that role. All right, last name before we hit the break. A guy that's just been looking so bad here lately. Started up the season kind of well, but really last month or two, not so good. And that's Lucas Giolito from the White Sox. Overall in 11 starts, 58 and a third innings, 478 ERA, 149 whip. You know, the K rate's still pretty high, 28.9%. It's actually up a little bit from last year's 28% mark. Still down from his marks in 2019 and 2020, but the walk rate's up to 9.9%. All of the ERA indicators are pretty much in line with this surface ERA. Barrel rate's up to 12.3%. Hard hit rate up to 44.8%. Both of those are career high marks in the Savant era. So where do you have Giolito moving forward here, Chris? Like, is he still a, uh, let's say, a top 25 dynasty arm for you, or is he kind of falling out of that range? No, I do think he has to stay in that range for now. I mean, we're still talking about a youngish pitcher at 27, and he's shown that he can be an ace before. 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely discouraging. I think his fastball has taken a major step back this year, which has been definitely one of the major issues. It starts with a little bit of location for one, and it's just getting hit harder too. I mean, the velo on it has been down a touch, not noticeably, but you know, over half a mile an hour this year has been down. It's getting hit hard. I mean, the EV on it is brutally high, and the batting average against is high too. But he's allowing home runs on all of his pitches, which is certainly hurting him. And I don't know. I'm I'm curious. Like, there's not one issue that I can really like diagnose here. I mean, overall, you look and the whiff rates are overall pretty similar than as they were last year on all of his pitches. So, like, what's really gone wrong with him? And I wonder if a little bit of it is that fastball location. I mean, overall, he you know, locates the slider pretty well, in my opinion, and the changeup. But those pitches are still getting hit hard as well, and he's allowing home runs on literally all of them. So maybe there's been some bad luck swing his way, but still bad luck doesn't really justify a 4.78 ERA and a near 1.50 whip right now. Right. Yeah, th- that fastball has definitely been an issue. And I was lo- looking at it a little bit more earlier. In addition to it being down 0.6 miles an hour, the spin is down about that's a little under 200 RPMs down. It was 23.45 last year down to 2161 this year sliders down not quite as much that's done about 65 rpms or so curveball is only down 30 rpms changeup is down about 75 to 80 rpms but definitely a big drop there about 200 rpms on that fastball and even like even his uh his breaking balls he's never been like a high spin guy like his slider was only even last year 2028 rpms 1965 this year it's never had like a high spin curve high spin slider curveballs in the 2300 range uh right now and look at his fastball too he's getting about the same amount of vertical movement but the horizontal movement is down 2.6 inches he was 6.7 inches of horizontal break uh last year and this year it's 4.1 it's getting less arm side ride on that fastball which definitely has something to do with the, the lower spin rate as well so I think that's why he's not getting quite as the same movement profile on that four seamer. That's why he's getting hit uh, 289 batting average against 474 slug. And you mentioned he's getting home runs on all four of his pitch types. You know, curveball, he doesn't really even use that much. He's only thrown it 44 times this year, but already given up two home runs on the pitch. So yeah, it's it's a I don't know. I, I think he's down in that 25 range. I'm not ready to for dynasty to bump him further down yet because he's still striking out guys that's still there and he's got a pretty solid track record coming into this year three straight years of a you know 3.5 ish era and a pretty high k rate so i'm going to give him a little bit of time here to see if he can kind of write the ship like you mentioned the whiff rates aren't terribly different from last year yet they're down a bit especially on the on the slider and the curveball but that's only like you know four or five percent on each. It's not like it's a huge drop off. Actually, the curveball is down thirteen percent, but that's really like say doesn't throw that much. But four seamer it's still around thirty percent. It's actually up from last year, which is kind of odd. See that go up. Changeup is down about four eh, percent, and then sliders down about five percent. So it's not a huge gap. Like, whiff rate is still pretty good. Chase rate is still pretty good. So a lot of a lot of stuff there. Like he still has a thirty two point nine percent whiff rate, which is actually up from last year. So still a lot of good things in the profile, the hint that he could be turning things around here uh, moving forward. So I, I still give him a little bit of time. And if you don't have him and the person that does have him is looking to sell at a bit of a discount, not not a not a bad time to buy G Little here in Dynasty. 
So go ahead and take a quick break. We'll come back on the, on the other side and get into some prospect standouts over the last week or two. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Asbury, Methodist Village, and Montgomery County take senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal opportunity housing provider. All right, welcome back from the break. Let's get into some prospect standouts now, and all these stats we'll be mentioning are over the last 10 days. Uh, let's start with uh, Kyle Mueller here from your Atlanta Braves, Chris. Last two starts, combined 13 innings, 10 hits, one earned run, three walks, and 20 strikeouts. Had a nice, I think it was 11 or 12 strikeout performance the other day. That pushes his season line down to you know a solid 374. ERA, 129 whip. He's at 87 Ks to 27 walks in 65 innings here. Do you think we, uh, this you know, been at AAA for the most part. Do you think we see Mueller back up with Atlanta sooner rather than later, Chris? It's possible. I mean, they've really had people bounce in and out of the back end of the rotation. Obviously, Strider's settled in pretty nicely, but if injury occurs, I definitely think uh, Kyle Mueller will get a chance. And in June, he's really turned it on. Uh, 0.9 ERA in 20 innings and 28 strikeouts over that time, just four walks. Those are encouraging signs. I think walks are have always really been a big issue for him, but seeing that he's really, I think, stepped up the you know the command a little bit this year, and the walk rate has dropped. Like that's been pretty big for him. I mean, his one start with the Bra- in Atlanta was was awful, but you know you can't really count that against him. So overall in AAA, he's just been really good this year. Two eight nine ERA, and he's got you know a ton of strikeouts, thirty three percent rate, eight point three percent walk rate. And as I mentioned, that's gone down a little bit um, over the last several starts, over the last month especially. So I, I do think he gets a chance. I I like Mueller. I mean, the fastball slider combo is really good. Those two pitches really could be it. I mean, the the curve and changeup are there, but that's why I think he could be better as a reliever, but I think they're clear they want to give him a shot as a starter at least. I mean, they're still rocking with him as a starter. At this point, he's nearly 25 years old, but I think that he's going to have to show something in Atlanta at least to be able to stick as a starter long-term before they decide to pull that plug and move him to the bullpen. Yeah, and no, I, I really agree. I was kind of wondering if he had the command and control to be a starter, but like you mentioned, dropping that walk rate this year has been really, really huge and very encouraging to – for his chances of sticking in the as a rotation arm here moving forward. Now, since, since you mentioned Strider here, I, I've been meaning to ask you this. You know, with what we've seen from Strider so far this year, and then what we've seen from Anderson, you know, as as an Atlanta fan, how do you see how do you compare those two moving forward? Like, let's say let's fast forward three years down the road. Who do you think is the guy that we're drafting higher for fantasy between Strider and, and Ian Anderson? It's hard to argue against Strider at this point, but. He's the profile so interesting because he's a two pitch guy, but I mean, he just makes it work. You know, the fastball averages over nearly 98 and a half and the sliders pretty devastating as well. He's got a 51% whiff rate on the slider. I'm interested to see if 
that can stick, like just a two-pitch type. But, I mean, you look at his profile, it's similar on Savant, similar pitchers based on velo and movement. You have Luis Severino, Dylan Cease, Logan Gilbert, and Tyler McGill, which those are all really solid. <laughs> Not bad. Yeah, those, <laughs> Not those bad. are good, good pitchers to be compared to. So, I mean, I, he walks a lot of guys, but he can get away with it. I, I really think so. I'm just curious if the two pitches catch up to him before long, but the two pitches I think are good enough where he's capable of sticking the starter. Anderson, man, I just have no clue what to do with him at this point. He's so been so up and down his entire career, and he's just really hard to value at this point. He's still young. I think that's important to remember. Like He's just 24 years old, but he's been around for a while, and he's kind of regressed in a way. So I think we need to see something from Anderson soon. But, yeah, I'll, I'll lean Strider right now. He's been – the more impressive arm for sure. Yeah, no, he definitely has. I think he's got the higher upside. I mean, yeah, we've seen, like you said, Anderson's kind of regressed every year. K rate's gone down. Walk rate's gone up. You know, ratios have gone up to the point where he's just not that interesting right now. But you mentioned he's still he's still young, so definitely not the time to write him off by any means. But, yeah, I think I might, uh, might go Strider. And I, I don't know if that will reflect in my rankings here that are coming out this week, but – I think this is this is the type of guy where if you could trade Anderson for Strider, then get like another small piece added on, whether it's a draft pick or it's another minor player that could help you out now, or a lower level prospect, whatever it may be. I think that's a trade I try to make right now. I think Anderson still has the bigger name, bigger, probably a little bit higher dynasty value and trade value right now. So that might be something worthwhile to look into for sure. Next name on the list here, Owen White from the Texas Rangers. Looking very dominant of late. You know, his season stat line, 399 ERA, 119 whip, 81 Ks and 50 and two-thirds. And he's just solid, but really turned it on lately. His last two starts, 13 innings combined, only giving up two run runs, three walks, and 20 strikeouts. That's a 138 ERA and 092 whip over the last two starts. And he's a guy that, you know, we, we saw out in Arizona last year, and he looked pretty solid there as well. Are you still, you know, despite his kind of inconsistent year so far in 2022, are you still pretty high on Owen White moving forward, Chris? Yeah, I am. I think he's a top 100 guy. I mean, he he really wowed me more than any starter we saw in the AFL, honestly. And it was important to remember where he didn't, I mean, professionally he hasn't pitched until 2021. And he was drafted back in 2018 where he had Tommy John and then, um, he had the COVID year, and then he even had issues, injuries last year. So he only got you know, 33 innings of work last year before going to the fall league. He's been really good. I mean, the strikeouts are there. The the walk rate's good. I mean, he has a still has a 25.5% K minus BB rate this year, and he has a 16.5% swing and strike rate, which is great. I do think he's a great command pitcher. The, the slider's probably his best pitch, but he does have four pitches that he all commands pretty well. I think he's a confident pitcher too, and you look at his stuff, and I think it is is definitely there. I do think his numbers have been ballooned by just a couple bad starts, but overall, I think he's been really good this year. So I think he, with the stuff in command, I think he's a top one hundred prospect. So would you have him above uh, Cole Win right now? Yeah, I'd take him over Win. Just Win's inconsistencies have been tough. Win's got the more upside for sure, but yeah, you, you can't argue that. Yeah, I think Win's got better stuff, more upside, but yeah, he's been wildly inconsistent especially with that command and control and he's kind of taking a step back from the gains he made last year so uh yeah i think i still have win ranked ahead but it's it's gotten very close i think uh i don't 
I still believe in win a bit, but I don't know. I think maybe things continue the way they've gone so far this year. I think Owen White might leapfrog win here in my next update. We'll see. And one thing I just want to mention that uh, as when I was pulling up Owen White's baseball reference page, so he went to a Carson High School, which is in a town in North Carolina called China Grove. Which anybody that likes classic rock, you know, the Doobie Brothers, that is one of my favorite songs. The song China Grove. I don't know if it's about that China Grove. I don't think it is. I think it's about the one in Texas. I want to say, but I, just, I don't know, maybe think of the Doobie. Brothers. You know that song, Chris? China Grove by the Doobie Brothers. I don't actually. <laughs> you don't? No. Oh, that nice little guitar, like bow now, bow now. Oh, oh. yeah, yeah. Damn. There you go. Damn. See, down that one. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay. You, you know China Grove. There you go. <laughs> if not, I was have to educate you here after, <laughs> after we get off the, the recording here. But yeah, it's one of my favorite songs. Such a good song. I love that guitar riff. But anyway, back to baseball here. A little classic rock sidetrack here. But uh, who's next on our list here? Oh, yeah. Griff McGarry from the uh, Philadelphia Phillies here. One of their top pitching prospects. He's really come on here over the last week or two. Let's see. Let me get over to Griff McGarry. Last two starts. He's on high A, but probably gets up to double A pretty soon. He is 23 years old. So he's a bit old for the level, but last two starts, 12 innings, four earned runs, three walks to 19 strikeouts. Then you look at his entire season overall. He is at a, you know, bit of a higher 484 ERA, 130 whip in 35 and a third innings, but 58 Ks to 18 walks in those 35 and a third innings. I see a guy, Chris, that, you know, I don't know. Looking at video of Griff McGarry and looking at, at his profile, I think he's better than his surface stats will indicate. He's got a pretty good fastball, showing the ability to throw. You know, all the secondaries are pretty, you know, can be above average offerings at times, but command and control has been an issue for him. So is he, is he like a sneaky good buy for you right now, given the, uh, the higher surface ERA? Yeah, I think he's really under the radar, and I liked him in the draft last year. That's important to remember, too. I mean, he did just turn 23, and he was a college um, draftee last year, fifth round of the Phillies. So he's flown under the radar, but he does have three good pitches, and uh, the command's lacking. Like, that's going to be the biggest thing that's going to have to take a step forward. But overall, like, I think his season's been pretty good. He just has another – he's another one where he had one start where he went three innings with six earned, and that really kind of ballooned the ERA. Other than that, um, nine of his, or eight of his ten starts have been three earned runs or less, and six of them have been two earned runs or less, which has been really impressive as well. I think McGarry is a little under the radar here. I'm not sure how high the upside is and how high he could get in rankings, but I think in deeper dynasties, he's pretty solid by here. I think we could see him get a, a tick to double A scene, which would really kind of tell what he is. Yeah, absolutely agree there. Next arm on the list here, Luis Medina from the New York Yankees. He's one I get a lot of questions about Medina because he's always been, he's always had that upside. Like the stuff is there, no doubt about it. But command and control has always been an issue for him. His last two starts, 10 in the third innings, two earned runs, two walks, 18 Ks, which has caused some questions to be thrown my way about, you know, is he, is he back? Blah, blah, blah. But no, I just, he's always been like this. Like I've seen him, I saw him a couple weeks ago. Uh, three, four weeks ago when Somerset came here to Portland. I'll probably see him again. For, I think they're coming back here soon, so I'll probably get another look at him later uh, this month or early next month whenever they come back. I saw him back in, I don't remember what year it was, a couple years ago, maybe 20, maybe it was last year. It was probably last year, but so I've seen him at multiple times, spaced out, and it was the exact same thing. Stuff is great. Like He's got the 
big fastball, mid to upper 90 fastball, good movement on it. Great curveball. It's got sharp break, mark 11 to 5 break. And he's got a pretty solid changeup as well. But just command is just not there. It's so inconsistent. The walk rate's always been pretty high. He's shown some signs at, at you know some points here and there of you know improving in those areas, but they never stick. So if I had to bet, you know, a thousand bucks of my own money on him being a starter or a reliever, I would easily throw that on reliever. I think he could be a pretty good one. You know, I think he could be a, like a back eight, you know, eighth, ninth inning guy for sure with that stuff. But I just don't think he has the command to start. I really don't. So if you have him right now, I think this could be maybe a good time to sell high. We're on a little bit of a hot streak here because it's only a matter of time before he starts, you know, getting those three inning, five walk, you know, types of starts that are that are always right around the corner. So I'd sell high personally. But what are your thoughts, Chris? Yeah, I think the command's always going to hold him back. I mean, you can't argue against the stuff. It's really good, as you mentioned. You've kind of said it all, but I do think that the walks are going to hurt him and sometimes the command can hurt him too, where he leaves it in the zone and that's going to allow him to get hit around, especially at the big league level. So I'm kind of in the boat to sell him as well, but yeah, it's an intriguing arm, but I do think that there's just some stuff that he's going to really have to improve on to take it to the next level. Yeah, I think so too. And like, I just, uh, that just shows like a lot of the, uh, it's funny, you know, look at some of the bigger name, Yankee arms here in their in their system, guys like Luis Heel, like uh, Davy Garcia, Luis Medina. Those were like the, supposed to be the guys, right? Those were the big three, and along with Clark Schmidt. And he's had some different issues, more so with injuries, but they've kind of kind of dropped down. And now you've seen guys like Hayden Wesneski and um, Ken Waldachuk and Randy Vasquez. Th- those guys that were lesser thought of names that have really ascended up the ranks over the last year or two. It's kind of been a complete total 180 in terms of pitching prospects in this Yankees org. But, um, yeah, I think Medina is definitely a, a bullpen arm. I just don't see – and like at this point, it's not like he's like 20, 21. He's 23 now, which, again, is still young, but he's yet to show any substantial gains that he can really maintain uh, in terms of that command and control department that make me think that, oh, yeah, he could be a starter. I just don't see it. Even like the, the game against us, I, I can't remember the stat line, but I think it was pretty good. But overall, but I was like, man, like against a better, like, we don't have that good of an offense. We just got Sedan Rafaela finally here. But outside of that, this Portland lineup is not the greatest. There's not like a lot of like future MLB bats in this lineup. It might just be Rafaela and that's it right now. So if he was facing a better lineup, he probably wouldn't have had the success he had. But yeah, I just don't see him sticking as a starter. All right, moving over to the AL Central here, a little Matthew Thompson who's been excelling here over the last uh, week or so. Uh, they pull up his stats here. But for the season, he's another guy that has kind of a higher ERA and whip. 56 in the third innings. And this is as a 21-year-old in high A. 431 ERA, 126 whip. Uh, 20 walks to 52 strikeouts in those 56 in the third innings. But over the last 10 days, he's really been pitching better, obviously, just because we're talking about him. Two starts, 11 in the third innings, three earned runs, one walk, and 17 strikeouts. So... What are your thoughts on Thompson, Chris? you think he's a guy that's better than his surface stats would indicate? I don't know. I've, I did see him pitch earlier in the year when they were in town. He's solid. Um, I'm not sure that he's like excellent by any means, but it is encouraging to see the strikeouts tick up. Like, I want to know really what changed. Like the last two starts when the, we've seen the strikeouts really tick up because you look before that and the strikeouts just weren't there. 
But then over his last two starts, he's gone six innings, eight Ks and five in one third and nine Ks. And I'm wondering if there is a tangible change that's causing him to get more whiffs. And obviously need to go to the video to see that, but I'm at least intrigued by that. I've been intrigued by him in the past. I think he's probably got like average stuff, like back a rotation type pitcher here. But if something changed, like a pitch mix change, or he's you know changed a grip on a pitch that's causing him to get more whiffs and Ks, then yeah, that's uh certainly intriguing. So I'm curious to see, and I need to go look and see like what has caused this. Yeah, no, for Thompson's been a guy like I kind of echo a lot of what you said. Like I think he's a could be a back end guy, but for one, I'm not a big fan of the White Sox org in general and their and their player developments. I know they've got you know they've graduated some guys like Eloy and, and Robert, of course, but I don't know, just, just in general, I'm not the biggest believer in their org. And Thompson, like he's just he looks like a guy. Like he doesn't really stand out to me, you know, among a lot of their other pitching products that they have like Jared Kelly, who's not been the great either, Andrew Dahlquist, Sean Burke, you know, Nori Vera, who might be my favorite arm in this org. Um, but I don't know, he just doesn't really stand out to me. He's just he's got solid four pitches, none of them of which really stand out. The command and control has been kind of meh. So I don't know. I think he could be like a back end guy, but I don't see him, you know, ascending to like a mid rotation guy or anything like that. So, but then this next guy here, uh, I'll let Chris kind of give uh, his analysis. We talked about him in the pitching prospect mock draft episode uh, from last week with Chris Welsh and James Anderson. So we kind of talked about him there. But Reese Olson from the Detroit Tigers has had a pretty good season here in Double A in fifty eight and a third innings, three twenty four ERA. 1.06 whip, 90 Ks to 15 walks in those 58 and a third innings. Oh, and then in the last, uh, his last two starts here, nine innings, one earned run, three walks to 18 Ks. So I so said he's a guy that went very high in, in our mock draft. I believe it was, was it James that took him? I actually forget if it was James or Welsh. I think it was James that took him. I have to go back and look, but he went very high. Some people have said that he's a top 100 guy right now. So, Chris, what are your thoughts on Reese Olsen here moving forward? He's certainly impressive, and you know he's arguably pitched better than even the results say. I mean, he has a one seven eight FIP, running a really high BABIP, leaving you know not a ton of batters on base. His, his strain rate's lower than average, I'd say. In the strikeouts, the swinging strike rate, the command, you know, the walks, all that kind of backs up what he's done. And you know, the combo of the fastball slider and change is good, and he mixes in a curve some too. I think the command's a lot better than was advertised in the past, and I think that's taken a step forward. And, you know, nearly 16s is a solid sample here in AA, and it's been an impressive sample of that. So um, I'm I'm buying in. I think that he's definitely close to a top 100 guy at this point. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think I had him lower than I probably should have in my, uh, my last updated rankings here, which I'm trying to pull up as we speak. Uh, he, yeah, he's definitely impressed me this year, and I, hopefully I'll get a chance to see him live pretty soon because – Erie comes to Portland. I believe it's the first series in August. So about a month and a half from now, I'll see. Hopefully, he'll still be there. Maybe he's up at AAA by then. Who knows? But, yeah, I had him 189 uh, in my – well, he was 209 in my last update. I've already moved him up a little bit since then. So right now I have him at this very second, 189 overall. But I probably should put him up a little bit higher because he has been very impressive uh, in AA. So hopefully I get to see him in, a couple, in uh, several weeks or so. Moving over to hitters here. We have uh, seven names on the list here, starting with another uh, San Diego prospect here, 
that's been excelling recently. And that's Eggy Rosario, a guy that we figured out is pronounced Eggy, even though it's, it's E-Guy. Um, but you pronounce it Eggy, uh, fun little name there. But over the last 10 days, 47 plate appearances, slashing 419, 468, and with a 1047 slug because he has seven home runs and six, uh, seven doubles, excuse me, and six home runs over the last 10 days, two steals as well. And then for the season, he's up to, uh, hold on, my computer is not, but there we go. Uh, for the season, 274 plate appearances, 261, 344, 452, with nine home runs and 11 steals, 10.2% walk rate, 22.3% K rate. Are you buying into this recent surge from him, Chris? And it has been a, he's been at AAA this year, 22 years old. So the stats have been pretty solid. But what do you make of this recent hot stretch by Eggy Rosario? You know, it could be a hot stretch. He is a smaller guy, so the power, you know, may be inflated, especially considering that's a really favorable home park he's playing in AAA. So that'll be interesting to follow. Um, but we know there's speed there in the profile. I think there's decent contact skills as well. He was an interesting one. We saw him do some good things in the fall league, you know, kind of up and down. But yeah, I mean, I'd at least monitor and see like if this power surge continues with Eggy. If so, I mean, then maybe we're looking at a more legit profile at least. I mean, there there could be a little punch in that smaller frame. I'd just monitor at least and see, but there's a good speed element here and a good knack to still basis too. So I'd at least monitor and see where this goes. I'm not saying like go all in on him right now, but but monitor and then move forward with caution. Yeah, that that's fair. I've always kind of wondered where the bat is, how much he can impact the ball with that smaller frame. So yeah, I'm kind of right there with you. It's it's been a good little stretch here. Let's see uh see where it goes. That's kind of where I'm at as well. Next guy on the list here, Vaughn Grissom from Chris's Atlanta Braves, 21 years old in high A. This is a guy that had a, a pretty good 2021 showing that really vaulted him up. You know, not in the top 100s, but I said maybe he was in some back end top 100s, but but definitely top 150 for a lot of people here. Uh, last year, as a 20 year old, in he got low A and high A a little bit end of the season, but overall 319, 418, 464 slash with 28 extra base hits in 87 games, seven home runs, and 16 steals. This year got off to a bit of a slower start, but has really turned it on over the last month or so, uh, especially over the last couple of weeks here. 44 plate appearances over the last 10 days. 450, 500, 775 slash line, three home runs and two steals to push his season line up to 295, 385, 460 with 11 doubles, eight home runs and 13 steals. Been caught three times. Pretty minuscule strikeout rate as well. 13.2% go with a 9.7% walk rate. Where are you at on Vaughn Grissom, Chris? Do you think he's a top 100 guy? He's got a nice little power speed blend there that he showed last year as well. But where are you at on the bat long term, and how high do you think he can rise in rankings? Yeah, I'm curious if he kind of takes the Michael Harris route. This is kind of how we saw Harris come about. I think Grissom could get to more power. I mean, he's definitely a bigger frame. Unfortunately, both games I went to when Rome was in town, he was out of the lineup, which sucked. But never got to see him live like I wanted to. Hopefully later this year I will, but... I think he'll be on the way to double A pretty soon at this this rate. You know, we saw him in high last year, and then he's been high all this year and been performing well. So, you know, I'm I'm really curious to see where this goes, but I do like the profile overall. I love seeing him get to that power more this year, as he's already hit more home runs this year than he did last year in about 150 less plate appearances. So that's been encouraging. There's a good speed element to his profile as well, despite a bigger frame. And the contact skills are good too. So, you know, pretty good. 
bat to ball skills. He doesn't strike out at all. I mean, right now he's strike in, in high 13% strikeout rate, 10% walk rate. Like that's, that speaks a lot of volume about him. I yep. think so. I think he's definitely pushing top 100 range and I think he could, could potentially move up even more like Michael Harris did. So Grissom's one to watch pretty closely here. Yeah. He's uh currently 123 for me. Actually, where, where was he at in my March update here? He was 131. So uh, I think he did move down a little bit uh, in May and June, but then he's been right back up there to where he was preseason with his performance of late. So yeah, I, I like Grissom a good amount. Like I said, I don't think there's any real standout tools, but could hit for a solid average, 270 plus average. Maybe he's a 15 or so homer guy, maybe around 20 steals, you know, solid OBP as well. We both mentioned how you know good that approach is, solid walk rate, keeps the Ks very low. Always love to see that from, from a young hitter. So yeah, I like Grissom a lot. I think he's a pretty underrated overall, but I think he definitely could be, you know, if he, he keeps doing what he's doing now, he'll be he'll be top 100 in my next update next month, that's for sure. Uh, next hitter on the list here, very different profile from uh, from Grissom out in San Fran. Another 21-year-old, that's Jairo Pomares, who's really, again, slow start to the season, but coming on of late, last 10 days, he has five home runs in 39 plate appearances with a 429, 487, 971 slash. That pushes his season line in 194 plate appearances to 253, 323, 506. So not hitting for a lot of average this year. But at the same time, you know, he's hitting for a lot of power, 11 home runs, 11 doubles, 253 ISO. Do you think now is a good time to sell low, uh, should be a buy low on Pramara's, Chris? Because that power has always been there. The bat of all data has always been pretty damn good. So maybe he's just a 250, 25, 30 homer type, but that still has some value there. And I think is with the surface stats being kind of low right now because of that slow start, maybe it's a good time to uh, buy low in Dynasty. But what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I still like him. And if you remember, I went a little high on him last year and my rankings pushed him to the top 50 at one point. But uh, that was probably a little high. I still think he's a borderline top 100 guy. If all things click right. And I think it's been encouraging to see him rebound a bit. I do want to see him be challenged at a higher level. I mean, we've seen him at high A this year and even some in the complex. Like he's been in the complex the last couple of days, which is when he's got hot, which is interesting. But maybe it's kind of what he needed. But he was getting hot in high A anyway. You know, this this past month has been a good one for him, hitting 362 since June 1st with six home runs. So that's certainly an encouraging sign there. Seeing him walk a little bit more, which is big for him, and the strikeout rate cut. So if he can continue what he's doing, then I certainly think he can jump back up. But I do think he's close to being a top 100 guy right now. Yeah, I would agree. I'm trying to see where I have him. I think I have him in that range where I have him. Uh, currently, this very second, I'm 138. So... He did move down a little bit because of that slow start. But, yeah, I still believe in the bat and especially in the power. Like I said the quality of contact always been pretty solid. So, yeah, good good buy low right now in Dynasty Leagues. Next guy on the list, Yiner Diaz, catching prospect from the Houston Astros, 23 years old in AA. See, over the last 10 days, 40 plate appearances. He has five home runs, 316, 350, 763 slash. And this is a guy that didn't really start slow at all. He's, pre- he's had a pretty solid year overall. He's hitting 316, 367, 504 this year in 267 plate appearances with 13 doubles and nine home runs, 7.9% walk rate and a 15% K rate. You know, he doesn't get talked about that much, Chris. You know, a lot of the, there's so many good catching prospects right now in the minor leagues where he, he's still pretty, you know, further down that list. Like, I don't think he's on like, you know, 
Austin Wells level or anything like that yet, but I mean, maybe not even Logan O'Hoppy levels. I uh, always had a really good year, but he's definitely a guy that's moved up. He's in that kind of that third or fourth tier. I think for me, along with guys like Drew Romo, Ivan Herrera, kind of that type of, of player. But, you know, I know you've been a pretty big Yiner Diaz guy, so maybe you have him a bit higher than I do. Yeah, I think he's pretty underrated. I think he's one of the better hitting catchers in the minors. We've seen that pretty consistently throughout his career. And since he's been traded to Houston from Cleveland, he has uh, been really stinking good. Um, he does put the ball on the ground a little bit too much, but even still this year with a 52% ground ball rate, he's still hitting 316, as you mentioned. And there is power in the profile too. I mean, a lot of raw power. And he's getting to game power more and more, I think. So um, I'm pretty encouraged by what I've seen from Diaz. And I, I do think he's one of the better pure hitting catchers in the minors personally. So where do, do you have him, you know, what, what's him or uh, Logan O'Hoppy? Who do you want more in Dynasty? I'd still rather have – I think I'd rather have Diaz right now. Um, okay. Just the more I've seen from Diaz, the the better I like. I mean, I like O'Hoppy too, but I do like Diaz a little better. Yeah, and I think there's, you know, a fairly clear path to playing time. Uh, obviously, Houston doesn't have like a you know locked-in long-term guy. Like what, what the, uh, Martin Maldonado and – He's awful. Who's the other guy that's been there? Um I can't remember who who's even their other catcher right now, which just shows that he's not yeah. that important. So, yeah, yeah obviously, Martin Maldonado, even though he's, I guess, solid defensively, he's not going to you know hold back Ganner Diaz when he's ready. Probably next year. I don't think we see him this year. Probably, you know, May, June next year, if things keep going well. Maybe he gets up to AAA, you know, maybe in August or so with a AAA debut or starting at AAA next year and then up to Houston fairly soon before the all-star break next year. But yeah, definitely one of the underrated catching prospects in baseball. So a great, uh, a great buy a value buy in dynasty leagues for sure. The last three names are pretty exciting names here. Let's start with Kevin Alcantara of the Chicago Cubs. A guy that I've always been very, very high on. Yeah. He's got that huge frame, big power speed blend, and he's really been turning it on here over the last uh, couple of weeks or so, or over the last month or two. He had a little bit of a slower start to the year, but over the last 10 days, 40 plate appearances, four home runs in a 378, 425, 838 slug. So that that really, that power has really been coming on here of late. For the season, he's up to a 286, 368, 529 line in 242 plate appearances and this is as a 19 year old in low a 13 doubles four triples 10 home runs six steals and you know the approach has been you know i think better than advertised still got some some uh kinks to work out k rates 26.4 percent which is not terrible uh walk rates 10.7 percent so you know i'll take that from a 19 year old right now with that nice little power speed one 10 home runs and six steals so he's definitely a guy that i think is top 50 right now. I think with his projection, the power speed blend, how he's improved as an overall hitter. Like I mentioned that the walk rate ticking up, key rates coming down. So I think long-term that people want to give all the love to LED the cruise. And I do have him ranked higher, but long-term, I don't know if there's that big of a difference between De La Cruz and Alcantara uh, personally, but what are your thoughts on that, Chris? Yeah, it's intriguing. I mean, Alcantara is an interesting profile. He's a massive human being with massive raw power. Certainly encouraged to see him improving on the hit tool. There's a lot of projection I still think left, but 
yeah, as you mentioned, over the last month, been pretty stellar. Seeing him get to that power and hit for better average, cut down some strikeouts. Those have all been encouraging things. I'm curious, like, what kind of speed he has long term, just because of how big of a frame he has. But even with the, if he improves the hit and keeps the power, we're looking at a very interesting player here. So yeah, I'm I'm intrigued by Alcantara for sure. Where do you have him in your rankings? Obviously, probably a little bit lower because of OBP. But where do you have him in your rankings right now, Chris? Let me see. 84th right now with room to move up, I think. Next update, he could go top 75. Yeah, I have him a bit high. Obviously, I've been a big uh, Alcantara guy for a while. I had him 58 last update. I've already moved him up a little bit since then. He's up to 45 right now. I think definitely could keep continue moving up. Uh, the next outfielder above him is Luis Matos, who, who we've talked about. But yeah, I definitely think he could be – I think he could be top 25 on my next update. If he keeps doing what he's doing now – you know, I think he definitely could get into that range. Ellie De La Cruz right now is 29 in my ranking. So I think that gap could uh, continue to shrink here. And that's something against De La Cruz. He's moving up as well. But I think you're going to see that that uh, ascension continue to to grow here for Alcantara moving forward. Over to Sedan Rafaela now. And I put out a little video on our uh, our YouTube uh, a few days ago at this point. I don't remember it was early. It was mid, middle of the week, I think it was, last week. So... Um, but yeah, he's been as advertised. Uh, he was dominating down in Chris's neck of the woods at high A, comes up to double A. He's just cranking the ball right now. Uh, he's four home runs in his last 46 plate appearances with a 333, 370, 762 slash line. Doesn't have any steals yet up here, but really hitting for a lot of power. I caught one of his home runs in my live looks last week. He just has been just as good as I had hoped for. And I think he's a guy that should be pushing top 50 now as well. You know, he's a guy that has plus speed, above average, or better hit tool. I think he's above average to plus raw power as well. And I think, obviously, Fenway's going to be a great home ballpark for him. It's one of the biggest Babbitt-boosted uh, ballparks you'll see. It's right, it's right up there with cores in terms of the uh, you know the Babbitt boost that you get. Now, he's a righty, and he'll, have, he'll be able to pepper the monster and hit some in the monster seat. So this could be like a 20-homer, 20 25-steal guy with a – pretty solid average maybe the obp isn't great because he's a little bit aggressive never had a high walk rate but keeps the k rate in check i think this is top 50 right now chris but you've seen you saw rafael even more than i have so far and i and you've spoke highly of him as well but where do you think he uh he'll wind up in your next update in terms of rankings yeah i think top 50 is fair i don't have much to add on him i mean i've spoke my piece about him since i saw him opening weekend and i thought he was every bit as legit is he and he's been legit since then, and it's hard to argue with the field of hit, the speed, and the glove. I mean, the glove's so good, it's going to make him his floor so high to make it as a big leaguer. Like, I think he's the best glove in the Red Sox system, honestly. And yep. you know, the bat has stayed steady. And there's good power. I mean, the EVs aren't overly impressive, but he keeps getting the job done. He keeps hitting, and he keeps hitting home runs too, and steals bases with ease as well. So, top fifty. I think it's pretty easy at this point with what we've seen. Yeah, it's a, a very good all-around offense. Really all-around profile in general. Like you mentioned the defense. That definitely helps him get to the major leagues. We don't have a center fielder of the future here. I think that's going to be him. I think he's the guy that's going to come up and be that, that next uh, center fielder that Red Sox fans kind of fall in love with. We've had a long stretch of you know, really like fan favorite types of center fielders. We know, Jacoby, you know Johnny Damon, Jacoby Ellsbury, Jackie Bradley Jr., I think Sedan Rafaela could be that next one for sure. I think he's got the the, uh, the skills. Last name before we get out of here, probably the biggest name on the list, C.J. Abrams has really started to heat up down there in AAA. Last 45 plate appearances, 
432-444-682 slash. So he's not really walking a ton, uh, but you know he has one walk in that time frame. But three home runs, four steals, hasn't been caught in, in, in those four attempts. And just really get, starting to get back to being C.J. Abrams really after that aggressive promotion that I don't think he was ready for. And then the, the struggles in terms of both playing time and performance, and he gets set back down, struggled a bit when he got back down AAA, but really heating up now. Do you think we see Aram's back up soon, Chris? I think so. I, you know, they're like I said, they're competing. They're right in the mix in that division, and they could always use that help. I mean, Hasan Kim has not been great, so man, getting a good Abrams back in the lineup would be huge for him. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him back up soon. And can you imagine if they like just went big and called up him and Estrella Ruiz at the same time? Hmm, that'd, that'd be, be wild. And just think, let's, let's think about that for a quick second before we get out of here. The long term, and you know, they have the big bats. Obviously, they have, you know, Manny Machado and Tatis, but they've kind of been struggling to find, you know, the guys that could stick at the top of the order. You know, Grisham was kind of supposed to be that guy because of his higher, you know, on base abilities, but he's not really panned out. Uh, and they haven't really been able to find that guy since then to kind of hit in front of those two moving forward. Now, I guess Cronenworth has kind of been solid up there in the two hole, but. Can you imagine having like CJ Abrams and Estrella Ruiz with their elite speed in those first two spots in front of the big bashers? That's a really exciting thought. Like if I was a Padres fan, I would be very excited about that kind of long-term thought right there. Yeah, I would be too, man. That's a <laughs> certainly intriguing and fun to see. Hey, and maybe we see that soon. You know, both are on AAA and hey, Eggie Rosario could factor into the mix here too. <laughs> Who knows? So yeah, a lot of uh, you know, the the outlook here is very positive for San Diego, and they're still in first place, I believe, right? They're still ahead of uh, the Dodgers by a little bit here in the NL West, I, last time I checked. So. They were half a game out last I saw. Oh, okay, so yeah, but they're right there with the Dodgers. Yeah, yeah. Yep, and got some uh, guys coming back up. Is hopefully they can keep their pitching staff healthy. That's been the biggest problem with them, but we'll see. But that will wrap up this episode. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I'm at Aircross04, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work at Fantrax HQ, Fantasy Pros, or over on our Patreon, of course. And join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care. fans. It's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion?